Hello everyone and welcome to JTalk Extra Time. As usual, all of the latest news from J2 and J3 is coming up shortly. Uh, I'm John Steele, hosting part one this week, uh, and in this section I'm going to run you through roughly half of the J2 games from last weekend, round 14. After that, James Taylor has the rest of the weekend action from J2 in part two. Part three is a chat between me and James about the state of uh, the J2 table after 14 rounds, the first third of the season, uh, and to finish things off, we've got Magic Mike Innes in part four in the J Talk short corner segment. Uh, he has a forensic look at all of the Emperor's Cup qualifying games involving J3 sides from last weekend. Without further ado then, let's talk about some of the uh, on-field action from uh, J2 last weekend. Uh, round 14 took place with all of the games on uh, Sunday uh, after the busy uh, Golden Week uh, schedule. And uh, let's start at the Kumamoto v Kofu game. It finished Kumamoto 2, Kofu 0 at uh, Egao Kenko Stadium in torrential rain. And despite this defeat, Kofu are still 6th in the table uh, at the moment. Daichi Ishikawa scored both of the Kumamoto goals. He had gone close twice in the first half before he eventually put Kumamoto in front in the 35th minute after some great work from Rei Hirakawa and Takia Shimamura down the Kumamoto right. Uh, that created a chance for Ishikawa to fire into the roof of the net from about 10 yards. With about five minutes of the game left, Kumamoto were reduced to 10 men. Shohei Aihara was shown a second yellow card after he collided with Kofu defender Sodai Hasukawa. I think this was a bit harsh considering how kind of waterlogged the pitch was. You know, both both players were fully committed. They ended up bumping into each other. Uh, I thought it was a bit harsh to show either player a yellow card, to be honest. But um, yes, Aihara was off. But the 10 men of Kumamoto made the game safe shortly after that when Kofu gave the ball away uh, at the back. Rimu Matsuoka got the ball to Ishikawa in the penalty area and his low curling shot took a deflection off Hasukawa and then went into the back of the net past the goalkeeper Kohei Kawata. So the full-time score was Kumamoto 2, Kofu 0. Back-to-back wins for Kumamoto who are up to 11th place in the table and uh, yes, Ishikawa's going well. He's got six goals for the season so far. At Soyu Stadium, it finished Akita 2, Tochigi 1, and Akita were gifted a perfect start in the 7th minute in this game after an elite-level mistake from Tochigi keeper Shuhei Kawata. Kawata miscontrolled a back pass and he let the ball bobble uh, off his standing foot that meant he miskicked when he was trying to clear the ball. He presented the ball straight to Yosuke Mikami and uh, despite the best efforts of a Tochiki defender uh, close to the goal line, Mikami put the ball into the net from about 25 yards. So Akita 1-0 up early on. Kawata was nearly embarrassed again midway through the second half when a low free kick nearly went in at his near post. Luckily for Kawata and Tochigi, the ball came back off the base of the post and they escaped. But 10 minutes into the second half, Akita doubled their lead with a penalty after Tochigi's Kojiro Yasuda stupidly pushed Fujiyama over inside the box. Most of the damage for Tochigi self-inflicted in this game. Shota Aoki emphatically dispatched the spot kick for his first goal of the season and Akita were 2-0 up. Tochigi pulled a goal back in the 63rd minute when substitute Naoki Otani converted a corner kick at close range at the far post. That was uh, Otani's first touch after coming on as a substitute, so a great, great impact from him. But that's how it finished. Akita 2, Tochigi 1. Akita rise slightly in the table to 8th, and uh, Tochigi drop slightly down to 16th. Gunma are holding on to 5th place in the table after a brilliant header from Hayate Take earned them all 3 points in their home game against Yamaguchi. It finished Gunma 2, Yamaguchi 1. 
The home side went in front in the 15th minute when Shuto Kitagawa headed in a left-wing cross from Chie Edojon Kawakami, so Gunma were 1-0 up at the break. But in the second half, Yamaguchi seemed to be edging closer and closer to an equaliser and it eventually came on the hour when Taiyo Igarashi put in a shot from the edge of the penalty area. The Kawasaki Loni's effort was deflected into the net off Gunma defender Hiroto Hatao and then... In the 73rd minute came Gunma's winner, a fantastic header from Takei. He diverted a left-wing cross from Atsuki Yamanaka past the goalkeeper Daisuke Yoshimitsu and into the net off the far post. And there was one uh, one more scare for Gunma later on. Yamaguchi nearly made it 2-2, but uh, Henan's kind of chipped effort was uh, acrobatically cleared off the line by Hatao. So the full-time score, yes, was Gunma 2, Yamaguchi 1. Seven games without a win now for Yamaguchi, a run that's seen them drop to 18th place in the table. And it was announced uh, during the week that their manager, Yoshihiro Natsuka, and the club's general manager uh, have both resigned this week. Uh, First team coach Genki Nakayama has been placed in temporary charge of first team affairs, but uh, they are looking for a new permanent manager. So the the Natsuka era is over at Yamaguchi uh, and they're searching for a new permanent manager at the moment. At the NAC 5 Stadium in Omiya, and it finished Omiya 1, Tokushima 3, a sixth straight defeat for Omiya, a result that sees them slide into the relegation zone. Tokushima, meanwhile, are now out of the bottom two and four games unbeaten. They seem to have uh, turned a, a corner. The visitors settled straight away in the rain at NAC 5 and took the lead in the just the 12th minute. Eiji Shirai played a through ball for Kaito Mori out on the right-hand side of the penalty area and his low cross was swept in at close range by Yoichiro Kakitani. Um, Tokushima were then in complete control of the first half. Mori hit the post with a low shot from a Kazuki Nishia pass, and then he put his side further in front in the 21st minute. Uh, Mori taking down a long ball about 30 yards from goal, and then putting in a 25-yard shot that seemed to go straight through uh, Omiya goalkeeper Kasahara's hands and into the net. So Tokushima 2-0 up at the break and, and cruising really. In the second half, Takashi Abe scored what would have been a brilliant goal for Tokushima with the outside of his right foot from a tight angle. Uh, but a Tokushima player was offside on the goal line, so the goal was, was ruled out. It was unfortunate because it was a great effort, but I think it was the correct decision. And it didn't make much difference to the result, though. 15 minutes from full time, Mori added his second and Tokushima's third. A brilliant goal as he chested down a long clearance from the goalkeeper Jose Suarez traded passes with Kakitani and then curled a superb effort past Kasahara from the edge of the penalty area to make the points safe. Omiya did reduce the deficit late on, Jin Izumisawa bundling the ball in from virtually on the goal line after a goal mouth scramble from a corner but uh, yeah it wasn't enough for Omiya and uh, yeah it finished Omiya 1, Tokushima 3. Another good performance and result for Bena Labayan's men. One of the best games of the round came at Ende Soft Stadium as Yamagata came back from 2-0 behind to beat Fujieda 3-2, a result which uh, moved Yamagata out of the relegation zone as well. Yamagata have not been strangers to the self-destruct button this season and they managed to press it again in just the second minute in this game. Their goalkeeper Ko Hasegawa um, tried to clear the ball but it ricocheted off Fujieda striker Ryo Watanabe straight into the path of Ryota Iwabuchi who scored with consummate ease uh, one-on-one with Hasegawa. So Fujieda 1-0 up in just the second minute. And just before half-time, the visitors went further ahead after another brain fart from uh, the Yamagata goalkeeper Hasegawa. Again, he was too slow and, uh, you know, clearing the ball. Uh, Again, he cleared it against Watanabe, who was closing him down. And this time, Watanabe had the chance to go clean through on goal. 
but he was tripped by uh, Mr. Dozy, Keisuke Nishimura, for a penalty, and Watanabe stepped up and scored it to make it 2-0 to Fujita, a 10th goal of the season for Watanabe. He's still the top scorer in J2 at the moment. In the second half, Yamagata's fight back began in the 69th minute with a stunning goal, a superb left-footed effort from Ryui Yokoyama from the edge of the penalty area. That made it 2-1. The big turning point in this match was just three minutes later, when Fujieda were awarded another penalty. This time, the busy Watanabe dispossessed Yudai Konishi on the edge of the Yamagata box, and then he was brought down by Konishi as he moved into the penalty area, uh, so another spot kick was awarded. But this time, Watanabe stepped up, and his penalty was straight at the goalkeeper, Hasegawa, and was saved. And uh, yeah, it wasn't long before Fujieda were kind of um, ruining that miss. Suddenly, it was 2-2, after Fujieda couldn't clear a corner, Thiago Alves sent the ball back into the penalty area and it came back off the far post for their captain Shuto Minami to smash into the roof of the net. So 2-2 uh, with about 10 minutes left to play. And then in the 83rd minute, Yamagata got a stunning winner, Wataru Tanaka, with a superb through ball to send Thiago Alves clean through on goal. And he beautifully chipped the ball over the onrushing goalkeeper, Kitimura, to make it Yamagata 3, Fujieda 2 uh, full time. I, I still can't believe Sendai let Wataru Tanaka go, go to Yamagata for this season, but um, that's probably a, a conversation for another time. The, the final score was Yamagata 3, Fujieda 2. Just one defeat in the last four games now for Yamagata. So maybe like Tokushima, they're showing signs of life. They might be out of their slump. And uh, this turned out to be a very costly afternoon for Fujieda in another sense. They lost their midfield captain, Masahiko Sugita, uh, early on with a, a cruciate ligament uh, injury in this game. And he's expected to be out for eight months. So um, unfortunately, that's probably, end, uh, probably the end of the season for him. Uh, okay, that's all for me uh, for the moment. Uh, after a quick uh, musical break, you're going to hear James Taylor. He's got the rest of the roundup from the J2 action from uh, round 14. So please stay tuned. J2, extra time. Thanks, John. James Taylor here to round up the rest of Sunday's games. And I have to start at Nihon Daira, where Shimizu Espos hammered Iwaki FC. The hosts went ahead in the second minute when Takashi Inui converted Katsuhiro Nakayama's cross and never looked back. Nakayama got two of his own before half-time. His first in the 16th minute, a clever flick from Inui to put him through on goal, and his second in first-half stoppage time, side-footing in from 12 yards. 3-0 at half-time, and it got much worse for Iwaki after the break. Akira Ibayashi headed in a corner in the 51st minute. Carlinos Jr. made it 5-0 a minute later with a left-footed shot from 10 yards after awful defensive awareness from all four members of Iwaki's back line. Then, five minutes later... Nakayama completed his hat-trick with a counter-attack he started and finished by essentially sauntering down the middle of the pitch. 6-0 to Shimizu with only 57 minutes on the clock. Still plenty of time for Thiago Santana to leave his mark on proceedings with a hat-trick of his own. In the 71st minute, he scored from a Kengo Kitazume cross. In the 85th, he scored from a Koya Kitagawa cross. And in the 8th minute of stoppage time, he added a penalty. A few minutes prior to that, Iwaki's Shu Yoshizawa scored a header but it was no consolation. In case you'd lost count, it finished Shimizu 9, Iwaki 1. That 8-goal margin of victory equals Shimizu's previous biggest J2 win, an 8-0 win over Gunma in 2016, and is the second biggest J2 win ever. They move up to 7th, unbeaten in 7 league games. Iwaki dropped to the bottom of J2 on a run of 4 straight defeats. There were plenty of goals at the Rizanak Dome too, as there always seem to be when Oita Trinita played Zegen Kanazawa. 
The visitors reinstated their first-choice team after the midweek thrashing by Tochigi, but they couldn't stop the hosts from taking an early lead. A pass from the right deflected into the path of Hiroto Nakagawa, who arrowed a shot into the bottom right corner after 10 minutes. Kanazawa drew level eight minutes later thanks to a Kyohei Sugiura goal from distance, and then went ahead just after the half-hour mark when Sugiura turned provider for Masamichi Hayashi. However, Oita made it 2-2 shortly after with a neat control and finish from Junya Nodake. Zuegen keeper Yuto Shirai took a knock on, on uh, as the goal was scored, which may explain what happened three minutes later. He came to claim a corner, didn't jump high enough and got nowhere near the ball, allowing Tomoya Ando to head in his first goal for Oita. 3-2 at half-time, and although things calmed down a bit on the goal-scoring front, this one was far from over. Kanazawa's junior Kato equalised in the 55th minute with his sixth of the season, but Nakagawa was on hand to score what would prove to be the winner just three minutes later. Final score, Oita 4, Kanazawa 3. Oita back up into second, Kanazawa down to 14th, after a disappointing Golden Week haul of one point from a possible nine, and eight goals conceded in two games. Oita are two points behind Machida Zelvia, who drew 1-1 at home to Fagiano Okayama. The visitors went ahead in the 16th minute through Thiago Alves. A Machida attack broke down on the byline, a clearance was flicked on by Solomon Sakuragawa, and a Machida defender's clearing header on the halfway line went straight into Alves, allowing him to go through on goal unimpeded. Machida dominated after that, and their equaliser finally came in the 55th minute. The impressive Yu Hirakawa recovering what looked like a missed opportunity and uh, curling one in from the left side of the area. Okayama a ninth. This was their ninth draw, while Machida have still only lost twice this season. There was a battle between playoff hopefuls down at the Transcosmos Stadium as Vivar and Nagasaki took on Tokyo Verdi. Three goals in 11 second-half minutes decided this one. Byron Vasquez opening the scoring for the Capital Club on the hour. Handball was given against Nagasaki captain Shunya Yonida as he slid to block a cross. Verdi's Chilean forward scored from the rebound after Go Hatano saved his penalty. Nagasaki soon had a penalty for themselves, also for handball, which Ken Tokura scored, but Verdi's Goki Yamada got his first J-League goal straight from the restart, and Verdi ran out 2-1 winners, with a bit of help from the post late on. They move above Nagasaki into third, ahead on goal difference. This loss ended Nagasaki's winning streak at five, in which time they outscored their opponents 15-3. Elsewhere on Sunday, Mito Hollyhock eked out a 1-0 win at home to Vigalta Sendai. Yuki Kusano's first goal of the season was the difference, and it came in the 50th minute, when Sendai got caught in possession near their own area. Sendai hit the crossbar and the post in the first half of this one. They remain in 13th. Mito move up to 15th. The final game of round 14 was Jeff United against Jubilo Iwata. Ryo Jermaine's well-taken 70th minute volley was the only goal of the game, but it might have been a different story had Jeff's Keita Buanika taken either of the golden opportunities that he ended up sending off-target. Iwata have lost just one of their last seven games. In the league, they are 10th. Jeff's unbeaten run stops at 4. They are 17th. That's all for part 2. Coming up next, my chat with John about the season so far. Welcome back everyone. Uh, John and James here to uh, have a little bit of a chat about the state of the J2 table. Uh, after 14 rounds, so one third of the season uh, for 2023 is in the books already. Uh, I think James is with me and is is ready. James, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, John. I had a pretty busy golden week with earthquakes and illnesses and my uh, annual battle against the ants. 
um, which to put it in a J2 context is uh, it's kind of like Kanazawa in that they quite early on they find a lot of holes in my defense but it's also not like Kanazawa because I'm pretty quick at plugging those holes and stopping them from getting through. Mm, sounds um, to me like a, sounds like a sort of a Shimizu versus a Iwaki situation, uh, mm, James. But I'm not sure which one is which. <laughs> uh, how was your golden week? Uh, yeah, but, but very similar. A mixture of um, uh, you know some some downtime to relax and also a lot of family uh, family stuff. Yeah, I'm not really a big fan of holidays where like everybody in Japan tries to travel at the same time. Uh, so yeah, we, we we stayed we stayed local. We stayed in Yokohama, and we 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 took it quite easy. But to be honest, there was so much uh, J League, uh, James. It was almost overwhelming, wasn't it? There was there was football uh, coming at us from every every direction. Uh, so yeah, I spent most of my free time just catching up on highlights. And uh, yeah, of course, seeing Yokohama FC get their their first and possibly only win of the the J One season uh, against Niigata, which was uh, which was delightful. Especially because, and this will be my last uh, last detour, James. I promise. I have a, a Niigata supporting friend who I haven't seen for a long time, and uh, I was going to the game. Uh, Yokohama FC against Niigata, and he was in the away end. And I I said, kind of said, do you want to meet up after the game and maybe maybe hang out and he said no I won't be able to because after the game we always have a victory uh, sing-along um, so I'll be late and I said oh are you sure are you sure you're going to win because um, you know that that might be you might have jinxed it there and lo and behold uh, yeah he he was out of the stadium before me let's put it that way so that was uh, <laughs> that was also nice uh, but uh, yes we, we don't win your commerce don't win many matches so we had to had to enjoy it um, yes mm -hmm. Anyway, yes, James, we, we'd probably better get on, otherwise I'll be talking about uh, Yokohama FC all night. So, uh, yeah, what we're going to do for the next 30 minutes or so, James, we uh, we got together and decided we should do a kind of quick uh, rundown of the state of the J2 table uh, right mm -hmm. now that we're a third of the way into the, the 2023 campaign. So we're not going to talk about um, specific matches from the weekend because we've done that already in part one and part two. But basically, we're just going to run down the league table and we're going to point out anything we think is interesting or that's uh, raised our eyebrows so far this season. And we'll also try and maybe spotlight some teams that we haven't discussed much on the pod uh, mm -hmm. during the first sort of 14 rounds. So um, for kind of part one, let's let's look at the top of the table or the top kind of six to eight teams uh, James, we've got Machida Zelvia on top after 14 rounds. I think that seems pretty much fair enough to me. I think overall they probably have been the best team so far. We've got Oita Trinita in second. And I think what's impressive about them is they've already had a bit of a wobble, haven't they? They had three straight defeats, but then they bounced back with two straight wins uh, to keep them up in second. They even had like a kind of mid-game wobble, didn't they, against Kanazawa at the weekend, going 2-0 down and then coming back to win. So they um, they are kind of showing, showing that they're the real deal. I think another team that might be the real deal is Tokyo Verdi because they're third and they're only four points off the top uh, after kind of managing to sort of win uh, in the pouring rain at Nagasaki at the weekend. But Nagasaki are another team that have just been flying in the last few weeks, haven't they? They've blown quite a few teams away, like scoring four goals here and, and four goals there. They had that, that run of five straight wins going into the, the Verdi game, so they've been impressive. Um, yeah, maybe we should talk more about Gunma because they're the real surprise package, aren't they? They're still in fifth after 14 games and it's uh, pretty impressive to see them on 24 points. I did a quick check uh, on last season's uh, standings because they, they also had a strong start last year, right? They had 18 points after 14 games in 2022, but 24 points is obviously uh, six points better off and 
considering their sort of squad size uh, and the budget to have you know six six more points than they did at this stage last year is pretty impressive. Well, what have you made of Gunner, uh, James? Because we, we talked about them a little bit earlier on in the season, but it's perhaps time to check in again because they're still uh, they're still hanging in there in the in the playoff places. Yeah, Gunner, this is this is um, very unexpected. Um, if, at the beginning and end of every year, we when we talk about Gunma, we say what 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 are they aiming for? What's their their aim? Because every year it seems to be they just want to survive relegation, or at least that's how it appears from the outside. And I think now we're starting to see what they're trying to do. Now it's the second year of Tsuyoshi Odsky's um, reign as manager. Last year, I think. It was, uh, well, first of all, I think it was a surprise that he became manager at Gunma, bearing in mind he's had, you know, su- like big success with, with Urawa in J1 uh, a few years ago. Mm. I was quite surprised to see him rock up at uh, perennial J2 strugglers. And last year, again, they, they finished 20th, they survived. They secured survival on the penultimate weekend, I think. Mm. But it, it, it's clear that the, the plan last year was to survive and then this year it's to, 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 to progress, to move up the table. And I think probably their aim is, good, is I don't think I've stated it, but their aim would be a, a, a comfortable mid-table finish at mm-hmm. minimum. And it seems that he, uh, Oldski last year was kind of gradually feeling out what kind of squad he can get, who to keep hold of, where he needs to get reinforcements, which he did in the winter. And they are playing some pretty nice football. They're getting some really good results. They um, they had a, a, a slow start, but they've, I mean, they beat um, Shimizu 3-1, and then they beat Tochigi 2-1, they beat Nagasaki, and they beat Omiya. They were four, four wins in a row. Like, that, those, those are good, well, any win's a good win, but those are good wins. And they beat Kofu as well. Kofu are mm. uh, another playoff team. Mm. So it seems like we're starting to see what the plan is. Mm. And they've, they've had some impressive performers, like uh, the, the, the new signings, basically. Ryo Sato has been playing well. Um, came, came in from Kitakyushu and Hayate Take. I think he missed a few games and maybe he was injured. I'm not sure, but he's he's scoring, mm-hmm. which uh, is good to see because I, I rate him. I think he's really good. They've still got Hiroto Hatao doing the business in central defence and Masatoshi Kushibiki in his Spanks. I know you love doing well in goal. Big fan of the Spanks. Yeah. And also, I've been quite impressed by. Uh, Tomoyuki Shiraishi, the midfielder, I think he's been he's been a bit of a standout as well. Mm. And the other one, the other player I'd like to mention, um, Motoki Nagakura, who we he came into the team towards the end of last year, is quite promising. And I remember us saying like he needs to work on his finishing, and he obviously has. He's he started scoring goals now. He's he's becoming more of a reliable. Um, attacking producer in terms of goals and, and, and assists and stuff. So I think, yeah, it's really interesting to see what um, what Odsky has done, but also to see kind of what the, the club 
is now actually aiming for. Mm. What about you? What do you think about Gunma? Yeah, well, I think what's refreshing about them and, and what Oski's brought is there's just a real kind of no-nonsense simplicity about the way that they play. So it's always 4-4-2 and every player knows what they need to do and every player puts 100% in and more often than not this season that's been enough to get them uh, you know a win or a draw I mean we're going to talk about some teams later where um, they've been pretty clueless for the first 14 games if we're honest whereas with Gunma that's not been the case they've got limited resources we know that and the football that they play you know it isn't based on watching dvds of uh, like barcelona games from like 2011 you know with like three at the back and the goalkeeper on the halfway line getting involved in the build-up it's it, it, it's football that perhaps i get I'm developing a soft spot for them because it reminds me a lot of the football that i grew up watching in the sort of mid 90s which was the english uh, division one you know the championship mm-hmm. is now when everybody was you know four four two and it was basically about <laughs> running more and being mm-hmm. physically stronger than the other team. I don't mean that to kind of put Gunma down because you mentioned Nagakura and Shirashi, the skillful players in the team as well. Um, but I think I think the, the the bedrock of their success this season is is organisation and, and hard work, and it's something that you know I'm always always struck by Sean Carroll mentioning. It's like that that gets you a long way at this level. Um, mm. You know, if every player knows their job and they know what the other players around them are doing as well, and it, it's it's done them done really well for them over the first 40 games. So I mean, if we're sitting here after 42 games and they finish fifth, I think Otsuki will be getting the um I don't know what the equivalent of the freedom of the city is in in Japan, but I mean that'd be an amazing achievement if they can do it. I don't think they will. I think comfortable mid table is uh, much more likely as you as you alluded to, but I think. Um, they're a real kind of so far this season they've been a real kind of um i think that's what a lot of other kind of smaller teams in smaller budget teams can aim for you know you don't have to just settle for finishing 20th or aim to finish 20th it is possible to get 24 points after 14 games if you're just well organized and you work hard you know Mm. Um, so yeah i think there's a lot to commend uh this season i also don't think and i haven't watched many gunma games i don't think i've watched a full game this season from Snatchers. i don't think they're necessarily in the kind of gamesmanship and dark arts kind of you know no. style either so i think that's also something to uh something to commend so yeah and it's just good to have different names right up in the top six mm. uh making it interesting so yeah long long may it continue um, James, one team that's also in the top six, which is perhaps a bit more familiar, maybe not from last season, but the, the previous 10 or so, is a mm. Kofu. Um, we were talking a little bit before recording about how we, we can kind of split the teams into teams where we're surprised about their, where they are right now and teams that are not, we're not surprised. I mean, for example, I'm not surprised to see Machu at the top and Nagasaki fourth, for example. Kofu mm. in six is a bit of a surprise for me based on, I think, that they finished 18th last year. And it's you know more or less the same squad. They've got this nice habit now of winning one nil at home, right? Um, they seem to win a lot of home games one nil. Yoshiki Shinoda, as you've mentioned in the past, has proved to be a shrewd appointment as the manager. And uh, I think we have to pay a lot of uh, credit to Peter Utaka up front, who might be 39, but um, he doesn't look it this year. He seems to have been you know fit and firing in pretty much every game, and he's uh, really leading the team from the front. So what what do you make of Kofu? And are, are you surprised like me to see them in sixth, or do you, is that about what you expected? Um, no, I think this is where they should have been last year, where they should be every year. They should be a playoff team. They've got basically the same squad as they had last year, but last year they finished, uh, what, 18th or something. Um, and I think the fact that they are up in sixth with the same squad as last year tells you quite a lot 
about what the problem was last year, which was the manager, surely, because and it, there not not much has changed. The only thing, really, the big thing that's changed is is the manager's changed. And um, I know he won them the Emperor's Cup, which can't be overstated how much of an amazing achievement that was. But in the league, they were awful. And this year, they are back to what they should be, what we expect from them. Right? You, I see you 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 mentioned a few times um, like the. Their, their natural position is is fifth and uh, they're then well they're not quite there at the moment but they're they're around there that's where they should be and they yeah the only really big change apart from the manager is getting Peter Utaka who is still an, an incredibly um, important and effective player at this level even though he's was he now 39. Mm. 38, 39. Yeah. And um, you mentioned Sean Carroll just now as well. Sean published, uh, was it last week, I think, an interview, an article about Peter Utaka. He, he spoke to spoke to him and um, it was interesting to hear or to read about um, how much um, that motivation Utaka still has. And you could feel like the energy just from the quotations in the article, you could feel he's got this this energy. He, he really loving his football. He's, he's really up for it every morning. He wants to get up and, and go and play football. And you, yeah, you can see that in the way he's playing. He's combining really well with um, Kazushi Mitsuhira, who uh, earlier on I had my meerkan out on the table and my daughter came down and she said, I want to see funny hair. Funny hair me die. So I, that means turn to the Kofu page so she can look at the picture of Mitsuhira. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, you're much better off showing her a picture of Mitsuhira than of me, James, if you want funny <laughs> hair. I'm, I'm all like lack, lack of hair uh, here. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a good that's a good shout. Yeah. Well, when my longer, I, she start, they call, well, my whole family started calling me broccoli. So, uh, broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting well, my, yeah, well, my, 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 oh, go, go ahead, James. Sorry. The fact is, Kofu are doing well, and mm. um, this is what they should have been doing last year. Mm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's all fair enough. And I, my my only uh, my only meet to hear anecdote is being uh, behind the goal at Yokohama FC. Uh, you know, when they played Kofu last year, and having someone near me just shout, "Cuban, Kamikide!" Like number nine, <laughs> cut your hair, get your hair cut. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's about as good as it got for me. I think the the only sort of red flag or yellow flag or caution that I have about Kofu is I just wonder if a lot of these players are want you know they're wanting to be named in the the Champions League squad mm. uh you know for the, the the group stage which is coming up which I had to double check it's September isn't it when they're, they're, yeah. they're going to be involved in the Asian Champions League um and I think with Urawa winning the Champions League last weekend in, in fine style in, interest is heightened even more than it was before I think mm. in the in the, the tournament coming up this uh, this summer so I think a lot of players are possibly playing out of their skins now because they want to make sure they're in that squad for the Champions League and mm. it's going to be difficult to manage isn't it playing kind of midweek high intensity games you imagine um, where you, you're they're going to be the, the weaker team probably in a lot of the lot of the group stage games I just wonder if it's too much to expect they'll be able to maintain a kind of playoff push in J2 and 
an Asian Champions League sort of campaign as well. But we, we'll wait to see. I think Shinoda has done enough so far over the first 14 games to suggest he's, he obviously clearly knows what he's doing. Um, and Utaka looks pretty much as good as he's ever done, I think, uh, up, up front. But I wonder, you know, we're going into, it's going to be very hot in August and September, right? They're going to be playing maybe two, you know, three games in a week. How is that squad going to be managed and rotated? It's going to be very interesting to uh, to, to see, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, let, let's keep it moving. Um, James, in seventh, I don't think there's much else we can say about Shimizu other than they're, they're clearly uh, in the ascendancy at the moment, aren't they, now that they've got Tadahiro Akiba in charge? I mean, we uh, just looking at the guys that are scoring the goals. I remember Takashi Inui seems to be just um, running games uh, freely. Katsuhiro Nakayama... Uh, scoring lots of goals well. Thiago Santana suddenly looks like a J1 top scorer after looking absolutely mm. terrible for the first two months of the season uh, under the previous manager. So Shimizu, I think, are all, you know, everything seems to be going in the right direction. Akita, eighth, um, you know, they had this kind of really strong start, didn't they, where they, they were, you know, very difficult to beat and score against. But you have you have the feeling, I'm sure, they're going to be pretty happy to be eighth, even if they've slipped down the table slightly uh, in the last couple of weeks. Okayama are in ninth, um, which I think on the face of it is a bit disappointing considering they were in the playoffs last year. But I don't think they'll be too worried and I don't think they're to be ruled out because they've only lost one of the 14 games so far. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think they they kind of, you know, on, on this trajectory, if they only lose three games all season, they're going to be up there, aren't they? Um, although they do have too many draws, uh, I suppose. Iwata are in 10th, which we were talking about them a little bit earlier. That's kind of mid-table is pretty much where I expected them to be because of their kind of transfer embargo, you know, this, uh, you know, during the winter. But um, you were saying you were sort of pleasantly surprised to see them that that high. What, what, what do you make of Iwata after, after 14 games? Yeah, I think uh, before the season... I was on a bit of a downer on Iwata because of the fact that they had this transfer ban and they weren't able to um, do any business really in the winter. But they have been pretty good. Um, well, five wins, five uh, draws and four losses. So not, yes, it's not bad. Um, they... But then think about it, this is this is their J one squad, right? I know they 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 finished bottom of J one, but still, it's 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 a squad of good players, and I think plus the you know the addition of of the a youngster, particular standout being uh, Keisuke Goddo, who's uh, still a high school student, but mm. is is getting a lot of minutes and scoring goals. Um, it's it's interesting to me that that they are doing pretty well at the moment, but I think they may struggle later in the season if they're not able to strengthen during the summer, uh, summer transfer window. Then they, yeah, they might suffer from that, and I think they're not going to be able to push up for the playoffs perhaps, or if they, they do, they might fall away again because of that, um, that situation. But I've really enjoyed, um, particularly, uh, Godot watching him play. He's been, he's been quite, uh, quite a lively, entertaining, um, presence. Mm. And a- apart from that, they've, they've not really had any standouts, but they, they seem like they, they're, they're pretty much all experienced professionals and they're all doing a pretty good job mm. 
Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I'm a big fan of a Ricardo Grassa at, uh, at centre-back because he, he plays 11 aside like it's futsal. So he just turns up sometimes on the edge of the other team's box, like doing step-overs and things. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of his his kind of um, combative approach where he just turns up anywhere. It's been quite fun mm. to watch. But, um, yeah, Iwata, I think that's pretty fair analysis. I mean, it's very difficult to, I suppose, after 14 games, 10th place is quite handily placed for a potential playoff uh, tilt, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yes, I, I think you're probably right. The squad is just going to end up being a little bit thin. They're, they're quite inconsistent as well, aren't they? They can look brilliant in one game and then very ordinary uh, a few days later. So I think there's still work to be done uh, for them and they're probably in a, a kind of transitional season for, for the most part. Um, also in transition, I think probably a Kumamoto in 11th. I don't mm-hmm. think it's too surprising to see them there. They did. There was a point where they seemed to be finding their groove uh, a little bit earlier on the season. Then they lost it again, but then they've won two in a row at the moment. So they're, they're sort of mid, mid, still searching for that groove. It seems to be coming yeah. and going, perhaps a bit like Iwata. Fujieda in 12th. I mean, you, you got to say that's a pretty stellar, you know, first first yeah. third of a J2 season from them. I know they've slipped down the table in the last couple of games, but I still think they'll be pretty happy to be 12th. The only kind of um, disappointing news for them this week, because obviously they were 2-0 up at Yamagata and ended up losing 3-2, but they've also lost their um, sort of important captain, right, Masahiko Sugita. I think he's got an ACL injury, um, so he's out pretty much for the season, and that's a big blow for a small squad, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's not, not a good week for Fujieda this week, but I think the season overall has been, been, going, uh, been going well enough. Um, James, I think we can we can perhaps move on and look at the bottom half of the table, um, if mm. if that's okay. This is where things uh, things get even more interesting. In thirteenth, we have Sendai, who um, there's no two ways about it. They've just been disappointing, haven't they? So for Akirito, the coach has got to get things right um, soon. I think if he's not going to be uh, out of the door. Um, Kanazawa in 14th, no idea if they're they're happy with that or not. I think it's better than last year, but they they have expectations to go top 10, don't they, this year? So they, they, top six not, is there. Top aim. six, okay. So they're, well, obviously yeah. some people, some some crazy people will be disappointed that they're 14th, but I think that's not too bad after after 14 matches. Yeah, um, yeah Mito are in 16th place after winning against Sendai at the weekend. But Mito, one of these teams where I think they might go lower as as time goes on this season, especially at the moment they've got this issue with the goalkeeper position, haven't they? So Rui Yamaguchi is the regular first choice. I think he dislocated his shoulder in, in training. So he's out for a couple of months. And then one of their goalkeepers who would be covered, Ryusei Haruna, he's been chosen in Japan's under-20 World Cup squad to go to Argentina at the end of this month. So they're, they're shorter goalkeepers, and to, to rectify that, they've signed uh, a rookie goalkeeper on loan from Yokohama FC, Masaki Endo, for the rest of this season. Now, um, James, I don't think you watch Yokohama FC as closely as I do, but um, mm. it's a bit underwhelming to be signing like their fourth-choice goalkeeper um, based on the problems they've had in goal this season. Mm-hmm. So I think Mito, you know, in order to stay away from trouble at the bottom of the table, you need a strong defence. Uh, Mito don't have that because they've got um, Jefferson Tabinas and is it uh, Kusumoto as the two mm-hmm. centre-backs. You um, uh, you know, they, that's like the football version of a kind of, you know, banana peel and ball bearing factory. Um, and then, yeah, if they're, they're, if they're struggling for a goalkeeper as well, I think it could be a rough, rough month or two for them. Um, any of those teams that we mentioned tickle your fancy, James? Anything you want to pick out from the likes of your Sendai, Kanazawa, Mito? Mm, well, if you've got a spare couple of hours, I could talk about Kanazawa. But instead, I think I'll talk about Mito. 
mm-hmm. because uh, we haven't actually really talked about them at all this season. And um, they, I mean, you, you've said the same to me about Kanazawa. You never know which which version is going to show up. It's it's true of Mito as well. They they've, they've had some good results. They just they just beat Sendai one nil. It was a good result. But then they've had some awful ones. Like when they got they lost was it four nil to uh, I can't remember who it was, but mm. they were awful. Absolutely mm. dreadful. <laughs> that game they were. Uh, that was one of the worst defensive performances I've seen all year. And um, oh, that no, was five one. They lost, wasn't it? Five one to Iwata at home. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yes, yes. The, the Kusumoto, the Kusumoto show. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was that was absolutely awful. And but on the other hand, they've got they've they've got some really exciting attackers. Like they've got um, Ryosuke Maeda. They've got um, Mizuki Ando's pretty good. They've got Shoji Toyama, who are still. Have a bit of a soft spot for from uh, when he was in that Gamba under 23s team tearing up J3 a few years ago. It was great fun to watch them. And Yuki Kusano, he's just got his first goal. So they, uh, and uh, Shimon Teranuma, new pod favourite. Mm. Kaito Umeda as well. Pretty good. They've got pretty good attackers. And so mm. they're, I think they, we've, we've, they've, re- they've reset the cycle back to how they were when uh, when uh, Akiba took over. Like they, they, they veer from, from, from these brilliant Mac displays to the terrible displays. And uh, they, they yeah. seem to struggle to find a balance at the moment. So I, I think, agree with you that they could, they could very well find themselves slipping down the table a bit. I think you're right to pick out they they but by J2 standards they're actually quite well stocked with attackers, aren't they? Uh, especially forwards. But it's uh, I, I I think as 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 previously mentioned the problems perhaps at the other end um, of the pitch. So it's it's, it's going to be interesting to you know with them because yeah they they're going to be winning winning three nil or losing five one probably. Uh, mm-hmm. For the rest of the season, but I don't. I think they could potentially be in a spot of bother, yeah, if they're not careful. So we'll we'll, we'll keep a close eye, keep a close eye on them going forward. Uh, time is against us, I think, James. So we'll we'll keep it moving if that's okay. Let's uh, yeah. let's kind of sort of look at the rest of the table. And this is where we get some kind of disappointing uh, disappointing team territory, don't we? In seventeenth, it's uh, Jeff Chiba. Um, another kind of damp squib of a season in prospect for them, isn't it? I think all of the hard work and the progress they made under Yoon Jong Kwan seems to have gone immediately. Yeah. They they did have this kind of mini revival with a four game unbeaten run, but then lost at home to Iwata at the weekend, didn't they? To kind of re- reset the cycle, as you as you put it. Um, yeah. I don't really see a kind of any kind of playoff push on the cards for them. They did have this breakout young striker Hiro Komori scoring a lot yeah. of goals very early on the season. I think he's got injured. And mm. is out of the team now, so he was kind of the bright spark. But that's—I'm uh, not sure when he's likely to be back. But I, I don't see even his goals uh, firing them much higher than sort of lower mid-table. Uh, mm. Yamaguchi, we should probably mention because they're the, the latest team who are on the hunt for a new manager, uh, right? They uh, Yoshihiro Natsuka, who's been a kind of—I I thought he was doing a, a reasonably good job. He's—he's he's resigned this week, and his uh, kind of the, the sort of first-team coach Genki Nakayama is now in temporary charge while they look for a new permanent manager. Yamaguchi in 18th, they're two points outside the relegation zone. I think they're perhaps in the Kanazawa territory. They have, in his sort of resignation statement, Natsuka said he's sorry that he hasn't been able to get the team into the top six, which is a bit bit like me apologising for not being the ultimate fighting champion. Uh, you know, nobody really expected it kind of thing. 
Um, so that's a strange one for me. Yamagata in 19th. Um, but they do seem to be turning the corner finally. They've obviously come from behind to win 3-2 at home to Fujieda. That could be a, a turning point uh, after being in the drop zone pretty much all season. They are missing Della Torre, uh, I think, up front for another kind of four to six weeks with injury, but he's uh, wasn't exactly pulling up any trees when he was fit, so they, they don't seem to have missed him too much. Uh, again, though, like Jeff, I don't think to 2023 doesn't seem like it's going to be a playoff season for Yamagata. Tokushima are 20th, but they're finally off the bottom and out of the relegation zone. And they're, they're alive again, aren't they? They're, they're unbeaten in four games now with two wins and two draws. And I was really taken with how confident they looked winning 3-1 at Omiya at the weekend. And your your mate Kaito Mori finally looking like a striker, mm. James, scoring twice and, and setting up another. So um, I think maybe for my money, it looks like Yamagata and Tokushima might have turned the corner. And uh, Yamaguchi are trying to turn the corner by changing managers, and Jeff, um, Jeff are just sort of standing on the corner, which they have done for about a decade. So, um, <laughs> any of those teams, anything you want to mention on on that that group of sort of that rogues gallery, James, uh, Jeff, Yamaguchi, Yamagata, and uh, Tokushima? Well, I will just say that um, I'm I'm very pleased that Kaito Mori and Yoichiro Kakitani listened to the pod, and when I said a few weeks ago that they're not viable uh, goal threats. They obviously took that personally and since then they've been banging them in. So that's good. Uh, it's always nice to have uh, famous listeners. Um, I'd like to talk about Yamaguchi because, as you said, the, the manager has just resigned. He wasn't sacked, he's resigned, which is interesting. And I think it was, oh, I think it's, um, I think they shouldn't have let him resign, basically. They should, they should have kept him because <laughs> I know earlier in the season they had a run of really bad results. They lost 3-1 to Tochigi, 5-2 to Kanazawa and 3-0 to Fujieda. Consecutive games. And part of that was because they were trying to play out out from the back and didn't have the players to do that. Gini Koma, Daisuke Matsumoto, not capable of doing that. Kentaro, uh, Kentaro Seki, can't can't do that. They're good players, but they can't play that way. And um, Daisuke Matsumoto has since disappeared from the squad. I don't know if he's injured or if he's just being dropped. Um, either one is plausible. And I I think it's a real shame that that Natsuko is gone because. And I think it's uh, first of all, we haven't been we, we haven't finished in the top six. We're only fourteen rounds into the season. So they could still finish top six, right? Mm. Might be unlikely, but it's not impossible. But also, I think that in itself is, um, I think it was, uh, so how to phrase it, uh, maybe a mistake to state that publicly as the aim. I think Kanazawa have done the same. They've said, oh, next year will be different. Uh, this, this year will be different. And, and, and we're going to finish in the, we're aiming for the top six. But I think part of that is it's like, let, what do we think the supporters want to hear? Let's say that rather than what would be a realistic goal to set and let's get everyone to buy into that. Because Yamaguchi aiming for top six, I think, is a big stretch. Yamaguchi aiming for, for a top half finish or a mid-table finish or the best finish since 2018 when they finished eighth, those would be good 
goals for them to publicly state. And I'm sure the supporters would all get on board with that and say, yeah, let's do it. Let's finish in our best position for five years. That would be fine. I think top six was a, was a silly, yeah, silly, a silly goal to set publicly. Anyway. Well, it, 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 it might be, it might have been less silly if the squad was stronger than the previous year when they finished. Mm. I, I can't remember where they finished last year. Low down, right? 18th, 17th, 16th. 16th. So you, you finished 16th last year and with the same manager and inferior squad, the goal is to finish sixth. I mean, it, it's 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 just madness to, to say yeah. that on the record, isn't it? You just want to say something like, oh, well, we'll try and do better than last year or the goal is to finish higher than last year. Or yeah, like you said, top half is the goal. You know, something it's something attainable. And I, I, I obviously I never met Yoshiro Natsuka, but the impression I got of him is that he seemed like quite a nice guy. He came across quite well in the post-match interviews. And... Um, I'm looking in the Mekan and and they've they've got like the little uh, kind of pen portrait of the manager and he's been at the club for six years. He, uh, he you know he tries trying to develop young players and he likes to um, he wants to base his football on like Manchester City style and stuff. And I think part of the problem was that he was trying to play in this particular way. He didn't have the players for it mm. and. That was what got them into difficulties. They'd also lost 6-0 to Shimizu. They lost 3-1 mm-hmm. to Oita. They conceded a lot of goals. But it seems like over the last month or so, they kind of calmed things down a bit. They were 3-1-1 draws and a 2-1 loss. Okay, they haven't won for seven rounds. But, I mean, that's better than losing 3-1-5-2-3-0 in consecutive mm-hmm. games. So perhaps Natsuka was a victim of his own maybe inability to change or mm. trying to play tactics that he didn't have the players for. Perhaps mm. he could have been a bit more pragmatic. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's fair enough. But I, I don't think it'll be long before he turns up somewhere else because I think he's shown yeah. enough in that, in that spell at Yamaguchi that he can sort of organize a team even if it's only in a certain way that, that does yeah. lead to giving away a lot of goals and mm. i wonder if you, you mentioned the kind of heavy defeats that they've had this season i have a feeling that that might have been what counted against him in the end because their goal difference is pretty bad isn't it minus 14 yeah. it's one of the worst in the uh in in the in the league so perhaps the front office is kind of looking at how the season's shaping up and it's you know they're they're obviously going to be in the bottom half maybe the bottom half of the bottom half goal difference could be a factor Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I agree. I think it's really surprising to see him leave, and also, like you said, for him to resign rather than being fired. Presume perhaps it was maybe like a breakdown in relationship, um, you know, at the club. But um, considering the money that's been spent on the squad, which is nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> really, and considering the, the the players that they have there, which is enough for a decent eleven, but not much else. I think it's a surprising. Um, you know, why on earth would you aim for the top? A lofty goal is good, but a completely impossible one is isn't. Um, so yeah, it's a strange, strange situation. But we'll we'll see who uh, we'll see who comes in as the new permanent manager, and uh, then we'll perhaps get a better idea of how well Natsuka was doing with that squad. You know, whether whether they. Mm. They uh, they lift up or they, they lift up the table or not. So um yeah okay James we, we can't delay it any longer. We we better finish with a quick look at the the relegation zone, the mm. the bottom two places. So second and obviously these two teams have just dropped into the relegation zone right over the weekend. Yeah. 
Um, so I think we'd be, if we'd had this conversation a week ago, we would have been talking about Yamagata and Tokushima now, but they're, they're out of the drop zone at the moment, and they've been replaced by Omiya and Iwaki. So for Omiya, um, well, they had a bright start, didn't they? They won the first four home games in a row, but uh, now the, uh, the, the, the dumpster is on fire again. And uh, they even had some speculation uh, today that the manager now, Kisoma, might be uh, might be leaving because their their kind of public training session uh, this morning, we're recording on Wednesday, was uh, was kind of changed to behind closed doors, wasn't it? There was some speculation mm. that that might be because there was going to be some changes. But I think they were actually just working on their tactics. Um, always a good idea to bring tactics in after 14 uh, rounds, I suppose. Uh, but they're, they're in big trouble, aren't they? Six straight defeats, and um, they've got Okayama away on Saturday. That's far from an easy match. And then they go away to Iwaki next midweek, uh, obviously. So, yeah, a bit of a big, big week coming up for Omiya. Um, I know they had Angelotti out injured for a couple of weeks. He's kind of been the, the main goal threat. But since he's come back from injury, he hasn't really got, got back on the goal trail and pretty much everyone else, as is standard, is, is underperforming. Um, I, I, I realise this isn't a kind of... Um, I'm not exactly going out on a limb here, James, but I think they might be in big trouble this year. And uh, speaking of big trouble, Iwaki, uh, having kind of like drifted down the table, uh, you know, since the first couple of weeks, are suddenly bottom. Uh, obviously, they've lost 9-1 away at Shimizu in a performance which you could charitably describe as pathetic. So their goal difference is dreadful. And um, I'm not really sure what their expectations were going into the, the their first ever J2 season. But I think don't think they envisaged being bottom with the worst goal difference after 14 rounds. So very interesting to see where they go um, from here. It's a big week for them as well because they've got back-to-back home games, right? Akita on the, on the weekend on Sunday and then Omiya kind of big big relegation zone battle on on wednesday and uh yeah golden week wasn't the best for them either was it because they had that unsavory incident at kofu um mm. where kofu player was down with a head injury and the, the iwaki players i don't know if they thought he was faking or they wanted him to, to get off the pitch quickly so the game could carry on uh that ended up with iwaki you know putting like a full um apology kind of on the official website so um yeah, I don't think the uh, Iwaki supporters were as keen for the game to keep going uh, in the Shimizu match, right? They, they ended up letting in nine goals. But um, yeah, not not a great week for for Iwaki. Uh, uh, not a great season for Iwaki so far, and it's not been a great um, two months for Omiya either. What, what what do you make of these two, James? And uh, what what do they need to do to uh, to put it right, other than everything? Uh, well, Iwaki need to defend for starters. Um, yeah, Iwaki um, they dropped to the bottom with a huge bump, didn't they? Um, what's very interesting about this is that for the last few years, they have consistently been on the up. They've been they've come through the divisions very quickly with very little difficulty on the pitch. So for them now to have had that humiliating defeat and be on a run of four straight defeats and be bottom of the table, how they respond is going to be very interesting. I've no idea how they're going to respond. Are they going to sack the manager? Are they going to stick with the manager? Are they going to make him change the way he plays? Are they going to have a meeting about tactics? That would be a good idea. I don't know. But I'm very intrigued to see how they uh, try and come back from this. Mm. I'd like to talk a bit more about Olmia. So, um, Olmia. <laughs> 
supporting listeners, um, check the timestamps and skip forward to the preview of the next round of fixtures. Yeah. Omnia supporters, see you next time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Omnia. I. Uh, they they've been getting worse every year since they dropped down to J two. Uh, well, not quite, but I mean, they, they finished third in 2019, then 15th, 16th, 19th. Now they're 21st. They actually started quite well. I think winning your first four home games and losing your first four away games, for Omia, that's actually quite good. That's quite a reasonable start. They were in the top half of the table uh, uh, quite early in the, in, in the season. They, they that was That wasn't bad. Since then... Things have gone rapidly downhill. And part of that, I think, was that they had a spate of injuries up front. Angelotti went out, was out injured. Someone else, maybe was it um, Seiya Nakano was injured as well, I think. And so they were playing um, Masato Kojima, the midfielder up front, with uh, Takamitsu Tomiyama, who is all right but is not great and they they have some promising players like um the youngster shibayama but he is still not and we talked about him last year and i remember you saying yeah it looks good but he hasn't really shown me that he's going to live up to his potential and we i, I feel the same now like glimpses of promise, but nothing really yet. And um, our friend Steve Fryer did a really, really interesting Twitter thread uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, he's at, at RDJ01Talk on Twitter. I, I recommend listeners read it. It's very interesting to get Ormia's supporters' perspective on the situation because he, he, he said... That uh, it's not all Naoki Soma, the manager's fault, which is quite interesting because I think for a lot of people would would look at this and say, yeah, it's all the manager's fault. But this club's clearly been mismanaged over the last few years, uh, at a level above the, the 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 manager of the first team. The recruitment has never has never been good enough. Um, but Soma has a reputation for being a good defensive manager and as Steve pointed out they haven't kept a clean sheet since the end of March and they're not even scoring much which partly may have been down to injuries but they weren't scoring that many before the injuries either so what what's going on I it's really hard to know and I think are they going to be in the situation where they bring in another manager halfway through the season who's got to clear up someone else's mess with someone else's squad? One thing I do think is strange is that Soma never really liked using Atsushi Kawata, who at J2 level is an, a really good striker. His goals kept Omiya up in 2021 and he also, he also, I mean, scored seven last season as well. That's quite good. So he shipped him off. He's gone to Tosu. 
I mean, if he can still play at J1, then he's obviously going to be good enough for Olmia. So I'm not sure what was going on there. Perhaps there was a clash of personalities or something. But this is Olmia's 25th anniversary. And I have a horrible feeling it's going to be memorable for the wrong reasons. Mm. Yeah, well, they, they just launched their 25th anniversary special kit on Twitter is it, today. Is it- uh, it, it's black it's black oh. um it's dark but it's not it's not toilet not toilet black it's uh it's just black but the 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 first comment i um i i like reading the replies to these kind of tweets so that the, the first one that came up when i checked the replies was someone saying for the 20th anniversary we, we don't want a new kit but we want a new manager and a new uh, a new general manager <laughs> so um yes you, you sense that people might be dusting off their their poo emojis um yes. you know, for, for any, any more any more of these announcements yeah but i think i think a lot of the points you made are right james it's just looking like a basket case at the moment um i mean you mentioned say anakano being out injured as as a problem up front and I, I take your point that he was starting regularly beforehand but i mean he's hardly the most you know he's not exactly a the, the kind of player that strikes fear into the heart of opposition defenses is he none of them um, are None of them are. That's right. And apart from Angelotti, uh, I think perhaps. And Shibayama, yeah, Shibayama is tailor made to leave Olmia this uh, this winter and then score a winner against them next year for whichever team he he joins. That's that's the standard pattern. Like play, players that leave Olmia always do better at the new club than they did for Olmia, right? So, which tells you quite a lot, I think, about Olmia. Mm. Well, Hiroto, I mean, Hiroto Hatao, Hiroto Hatao holding it down at Gunma for like the last four seasons. Like, Omiya could really have done with a player like that, a commanding mm. presence, a centre back, and they let him go. Um, pretty much every week, mm. Steve tweets, goal, goal scored for the other team. Oh, it's an ex Omiya player. Yeah, it's bad. It's not just like one of those things, oh, a player comes back to haunt us, but it's concerning, surely, that so many players leave Olmia and go on to mm. better things at it, yeah, similar it, stature clubs in the same division. But it's it's not as if they're short of experience at, at the club in the back room, right? Because Norio Sasaki is there. Is, a, is, he, is he still a total football advisor? I think, isn't that his job title? And Hiromi, <laughs> Hiromi Hara, who's an ex-J-League chairman, is, is there as well. So it's not as if if, if Naoki Soma is having trouble, he, he's not short of people to turn to, you know, for help. So I think I think I wonder if we're just at the point where like, um, yeah, they do. Omiya just seem to be in this spiral of like the 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 club itself seems ill. I think, and I'm not sure if I'm not sure if changing the manager is is the way to do it. Having said that, if they lose away at Okayama on Saturday afternoon, which doesn't seem that unlikely, that's seven straight defeats. And then they go to Iwaki if they lose that game as well, and they'll end up they'll be bottom on a run of eight straight defeats. I mean, is that sustainable? You, you, you almost may as well change the manager at that point. Mm. Um, and uh, of course, you, you know, Natsuko has just become available. Mm. Uh, Peter Klamowski, I don't think, has a club. I'm not sure he'd want the Omiya job, but I think maybe he would. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a strange a strange situation, but. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, the w- one thing I'd worry about is whereas, you, you know, your likes of Yamagata and Tokushima have had dreadful starts and seem to have worked through that. Like you mentioned, Omiya seemed to have a pretty good start. And I was kind of thinking, oh, Naoki Soma, he's, he's got 
you know, he knows what he's doing and he's molded the team over the close season. And uh, I think it was just a case that they had a good start, but they don't, they seem to be regressing or they're just as bad as last year, if not worse. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it looks kind of bleak at the moment. But uh, on the other hand, there's, there's still 28 games to go and a lot can happen. But, um, yeah, I, I'd be very worried at the fact that they, they started off with four straight home wins and seem to have everything sorted out. Uh, but what's happened is, rather than taking that good home form into the away games, the other the opposite's happened, and the, the the mistakes and the problems from the away games have crept into the home games. I mean, mm-hmm. they were so poor against Tokushima, weren't they, um, yeah. at the weekend? That I mean, you're right to pick out um, your man Kaito Mori, but you know, he it wasn't the most difficult game for him to impose himself on. I don't think. <laughs> And th- that's a problem if you've got, I mean, all your strikers tend to be, with the exception of Ancelotti, agreed a bit, they're a bit powder puff up front, but they're also a bit powder puff at centre-back. And I don't think the goalkeeper, I'm not sure, was it Kasahara in goal? He didn't do very well with the Kaito mm. Mori's, uh, for the, 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 the second goal, Kaito Mori's first goal. So yeah, I don't know, it's just the, when you're down at the bottom, the problems just stack up, don't they? So we'll we'll wait and see. And I mean, at least one thing we can say about Omi is at least, I mean, Iwaki have never been bottom of J2 before. So it's a new experience. Omi know a lot about being at the wrong end of J2. So um, over the last few years, so that, that might stand them in good stead. I don't know. Yeah. All right, James, we're not going to be able to solve Omi's problems tonight. But what we can do is preview the um, the weekend matches that are coming up for the listeners. So I hope everybody enjoyed our kind of state of J2 uh, address uh, this week but um james if you don't mind helping me to preview the the, the games coming up at the weekend uh, it's mm. round 15 uh, already and mm. we should mention as well next uh, wednesday so may 17th there's another full midweek round um if if the, if the golden week uh, sort of carnage wasn't enough that the j league has seen fit to give us another full round of midweek j2 games so we've got games uh, on saturday and sunday uh, this weekend and then a full round coming up on wednesday as well but for now let's just talk about the weekend games so round 15 almost all the games are on saturday uh, may the 13th there's a single game at 1 p.m and it's one we've mentioned already so omia go to okayama there's also one game at the peculiar 115 kickoff time and it's a big one it's Yamaguchi hosting Tokushima so that's 18th against 20th but Tokushima unbeaten in four games and Yamaguchi will have uh, yeah their new caretaker manager Genki uh, Nakayama in charge for that one uh, plenty of games at 2pm it's Kofu hosting Jeff Chiba Kanazawa against Nagasaki so uh, yeah fourth place visiting 14th it's a big game that one Shimizu who are red hot at the moment host Fujieda I suppose we can say that's a kind of Shizuoka derby uh, you know first first one between those two in, in J2 Iwata host Gunma and uh, there's also Tohoku derby a Sendai uh, welcome Yamagata to Yurtek Stadium two games at 3pm on Saturday uh, and the game of the weekend for me is Tokyo Verdi hosting Machida. So third against first. That That's uh, the, another, an addition of the Tokyo Classic that actually lives up to the billing for once. Uh, there's also a Kyushu derby at 3pm. Oita against Kumamoto. So second place there. Oita hosting Kumamoto uh, from mid-table. And then there's a one game at 5pm. 5pm seems to be Mito's preferred kickoff time for home games at the moment. They, they're hosting Tochigi uh, at Keiz Denki Stadium at 5 o'clock. And just the one game on Sunday, uh, May the 14th, it's at 1.30 and it's rock bottom Iwaki uh, hosting uh, Akita. So, uh, yeah, obviously Iwaki will be eager to prove that they know how to defend after that 9-1 drubbing um, against Shimizu uh, last time out. Uh, 
James, I've, I've run through all the fixtures there like a madman. Which which ones are you uh, are you looking forward to? Mm, well, Yamaguchi Tokushima, as you mentioned, 18th against 20th, could have very big implications for the rest of the season. And I, like, like we've said, Tokushima seem to be working their way up and they seem to have found some confidence. I think having a very easy time of it against Omiya would have helped them. And also, they're, you know, hanging on to get that first win as well. They're, they're, they'll be uh, feeling like they've come through the tunnel. They're in the light at the end. So I think um, it's it's I'm intrigued to see how they go from here. Uh, Kanazawa and Nagasaki, of course, Kanazawa need to buck their ideas up defensively uh, because Nagasaki have been pretty free scoring um, over the last month or so uh, until they came up against Tokyo Verdi, who are excellent defensively, um, which is uh, just by the way, is a huge contrast to this time last year. It's quite, quite, quite interesting. Mm. A few derbies as well. It's quite good. Shimizu Fuji, the Shizuoka derby, two Tohoku derbies, uh, the Kyushu, the Tokyo, um, and then Mito Tochiki. Does that count as Kitakanto derby? Is that? Oh yes, I think it probably yeah. does. Yeah. So quite a few sort of local, um, local uh, rivals, perhaps, or if not rivals, or well, neighbours at least. I think Iwata Gumma as well. Two teams that we talked about in in a bit of detail tonight. I think that will be an interesting one. Um, Iwata, though, has been kind of impressive lately. Um, very sort of businesslike. And Gumma are still plugging away in fifth, and they're doing doing pretty well, like we've said. So I, I'm quite intrigued to see how that game goes. And yeah, of course, we want to see how Iwaki respond. Um, because Akita are a stubborn team, and although they're slipping slightly, um, they're still in eighth, so it's not going to be easy for, for Iwaki. I mean, it's not easy for anyone playing against Akita. Mm. So, yeah, it's a lot of in, really um, some interesting uh, matchups again. I mean, mm-hmm. every week there's full of loads of interesting matches in J2. J2 is brilliant. <laughs> no, this, this this is true. This is true. It, it needs a bit more hype. We need to give it a bit more of a push. I, I, I would just add, I think, uh, just thinking about it as you were speaking, like Sendai, Yamagata, okay? So the Tohoku Derby now. Sendai not exactly been travelling very well so far this this season, you know, under Akirito. You, you sense if they lost again at home to Yamagata, that would put him on the brink, I think, or close to the guy. I sound quite bloodthirsty tonight with wanting managers to get sacked. I'm not I'm not saying I want that to happen, but um, it would really ramp up the pressure on Ito, him. Ito could help himself a lot if he just changed the goalie. Mm. Mm. There's a lot of goals that Sendai can see. It seems to be ones that if the goalie just moved a little bit, like stuck out a hand... He would stop them. <laughs> <laughs> Does he know that he's allowed to use his hands? Mm. Well, <laughs> let, let's let's hope we've got some more famous listeners, James. You solved solved Tokushima's problems last week. Uh, maybe we can solve, solve Sendai's problems this week. Yeah, supporters of teams who want me to do that. Oh, send send right. more to the Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com/slash/jtalkpod. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Football goalkeeper consultant. 
yeah, uh, yeah, maybe paying karaoke nights. Yeah, yeah. well, look, we, look, we've been wait, we've been waiting for a long time for the pod to 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 pay us enough so we can quit our day jobs, James. Maybe this is this is the future. <laughs> but um, yeah, the only other thing I wanted to mention was, uh, as I sort of alluded to briefly, it's a three-game week, and it's on the back of a three-game golden week week as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a tiny bit of rotation from some of the squads here. Um, yeah. If not on Saturday, then in the midweek game. I know Kanazar mm-hmm. had a couple of games where they changed all 11 players, right, this season, or at least once. Yeah, it worked the first time. did not yeah. work the second time. Yeah, so you you want you wonder if maybe one or two of these teams might be, I, I don't want to say weakened, but you can imagine, you know, Okuyama, for example, they're, they're reintegrating Thiago Alves up front after injury. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a rest because they, they might fancy they can beat Omiya without him, um, mm-hmm. you know, for example. So there might be one or two other players um, having a bit of a, a bit of a rotation, because I, I, perhaps I, Iwaki might might rest some of their centre backs after after the Shimizu game, for example. You know, I don't they, know. They might as well have rested them during the Shimizu game because yeah. ineffective they were. Was not was not great. Was not great. Okay, um, talking <laughs> of not great, James, we're way over our, our allotted uh, recording time here. I've asked you too many questions, and you uh, you had too many good points to for us to squeeze in. So if, if you're okay, I think we'll we'll leave it there. Uh, for J2 for this week. Hope everybody enjoys the uh, the round 15 games coming up at the weekend, especially what we think is probably the pick of them, right? Tokyo Verde against Machida at mm. three o'clock uh, on Saturday. Uh, but yeah, James, thanks for thanks for coming on. It's always good to chat, and it feels like a while since we've uh, since we've convened because of all the midweek you know the midweek football and doing some solo pods to to keep up with things. So thanks thanks for your input um, as ever. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening and downloading the pod. We we really appreciate your support for for JTET and for the big uh, JTalk podcast uh, as well. And uh, of course, the Patreon support is much appreciated uh, if you support us on Patreon as well. So thanks for that. And uh, yeah, please stay tuned because uh, as usual, in a moment, uh, Magic Mike Innes is going to be along. He has all the latest uh, J3 related uh, Emperor's Cup news in JTalk uh, Short Corner. But that's all from James and me. Talk to you soon. Hello everyone and welcome to JTalk Short Corner, the mini-pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J-League. I'm your host Mike Innes and in this episode I'll be running through J3 Club's results in the finals of local Emperor's Cup qualifying tournaments, as well as previewing the J3 Round 10 matches coming up this weekend. Over the weekend of 6th and 7th of May, there was a break in the league schedule, but 18 J3 clubs took part in the finals of knockout tournaments, the winners of which represent their home prefectures in the Emperor's Cup first round proper. Just one tie on Saturday the 6th, and it produced the biggest winning margin of any of the games in this episode. A second string FC Gifu put behind them their poor league form to dispatch Gifu Shotoku Gakuen University 11-0. Hat-tricks for both Yuya Taguchi and Hirofumi Yamauchi. One apiece for rookie Kodai Hagino, Akira Yamauchi, Ayumu Matsumoto, Ryo Kubota and Charles Unduka scoring his first goal since the opening day. Then on Sunday the 7th, when there seemed to be torrential rain affecting games across most of Japan, there was a trio of all J3 ties. 
It was good news nearly all the way for AC Nagano Parseiro against Matsumoto Yamaga. Yuki Stealth made 10 changes from the team that won at the weekend. Takashi Kondo put them ahead on 65 minutes. Takato Nonomura did equalise for a pretty much full-strength Matsumoto two minutes later, but Nagano made it through 5-4 on penalties following the 1-1 draw. And after injury in pre-season, Parseiro's left midfielder Yuki Morikawa in this match made his first appearance of 2023. Down on Shikoku, a strong FC Imabani lineup made their way past what amounted to an Ehime FC reserve side. Kohei Tomita's header just before half time, giving Imabari a 1 0 win. Marcus Vinicius incidentally came on as a sub for Imabari. Dudu wasn't in the squad after their controversial red cards at YSCC Yokohama last weekend. Speaking of YSCC, at Mitsuzawa, two goals in eight minutes midway through the second half eliminated them from the tournament and sealed the deal for SC Sagamihana. Tsubasa Ando opened the scoring with a 30-yard thumper. Akira Matsuzawa slotted in after YSCC had messed up playing out from the back. 2-0 the final score. Elsewhere on Sunday, let's take things in win-size order, which means starting with Kamatamari Sanuki. They haven't scored for four straight league games, but a hat-trick by Kaima Akahoshi, two from Taiyo Shimokawa and one each by Shoya Koyama, Taiyo Namazuta and Takumi Nanasaka meant they thrashed Tadotsu FC from the Shikoku League 8-0. And there was a 7-0 win for another goal-shy team, Fukushima United against Higashi Nippon International University. The scorers Shoki Nagano and rookie starlet Ryo Shiohama with two each, plus Keita Shiba, Kanta Jojo and Yuta Nobe. Iwate Guruja Morioka brushed aside a Tohoku League team, FC Ganju Iwate, to the tune of 7-1. Two goals from reserve defender Tatsuya Tabira, one apiece from Douglas Oliveira, Sotakiri, veteran Atsutaka Nakamura and rookie duo Miyu Sato and Koki Matsubara with their first pro goals. In Shizuoka, Azul Claro Numazu overcame Tokoha University 3-0 with goals from Hagami Wada, Noah Kenshin Brown and an own goal, 48-year-old Teruyoshi Ito making a late substitute appearance for Azul Claro. A goal midway through the first half from big defender Mizuki Aiba and another in the closing stages by Ryo Watanabe gave Vanrade Hachinohe a 2-0 win over another Tohoku League outfit, Bolandia Hirosaki. Way down south, Ryunosuke Noda and Haruto Shirai were on target in a very welcome 2-0 win for FC Ryukyu over Okinawa SV of the JFL. A second string Nana Club squeezed past Kansai Liga's Asuka FC. 1-0 the score here on loan Gamba Osaka 18-year-old Ryuta Takahashi, the scorer on 76 minutes. 
And another 18-year-old Seyatake came on as a half-time substitute and within three minutes had also scored the only goal of the game as Kagoshima United overcame Kanoya Taiku Daigaku 1-0. A 1-0 scoreline as well for Tegevajano Miyazaki, whose captain Kenji Dai scored a 15th-minute header to take them past JFL side Minebea Mitsumi FC. Katare Toyama needed penalties to beat Hokushinets League neighbours Toyama Shinjo Club 4-2 in the shootout after a 0-0 draw. Katare's cause not aided by the 78th minute sending off of Shosaku Yasumitsu. And finally, the only J3 side to lose to non-J3 opposition turned out to be FC Osaka, who conceded twice in the last few minutes to go down 2-0 to Kansai University. The Emperor's Cup first round ties are scheduled to be played over the weekend of Saturday the 20th and Sunday the 21st of May, and I'll be previewing J3 Club's participation in next week's pod. On to league action now though and just time for a quick look ahead to the J3 round 10 fixtures over the weekend when there are three games on Saturday the 13th of May. Current leaders Nana are at home to fellow J-League new boys Osaka. And there are two local derbies repeated from the cup games as third placed Nagano host fifth placed Matsumoto. And YSCC will look for revenge at home to Sagamihara. Then on Sunday the 14th, another repeated cup game as 2nd placed Ehime go to 7th placed Imabari. Toyama have the chance to continue their strong home form as they host Fukushima. Can Kagoshima extend their mini-revival at home to Ryukyu? There's a Tohoku derby as Hachinohe play host to Iwate. Ninth meet tenth as Totori take on Numazu. Can Gifu break their losing streak as they visit Sanaki? And finally, a massive game at the bottom of the table as Kitakyushu meet Miyazaki. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say, thanks for listening, enjoy your football, and see you next time. Bye for now. 